Hi, it's Henry, aka Cairo, here to remind you to check out the care warnings and transcript in the episode description. Grab a nice drink and have a safe listen. Mythale presents Circe's. Episode 15, Forever Falling. Elias, will you please just talk to me? If we're going to be stuck in here, then it's about time you pull your load. What do you mean? I brought my laptop with me since I had a few sessions I needed to record. I would advise you to grab a mic and a session so we can get this over with. Yeah, sure. Let me just get this ready. You can pick a session in the meantime. I'm, I'm just going to take uh, this one. Speak into this and maybe hold it a tad closer to you. The sound won't be as good in here. I will keep that in mind. Just start when you're ready. It's already running. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> so today's session will be case file 2027785-17, written down on the 19th of July, 2017, by Abigail Gibson. This session was recorded on the 3rd of January, 2023, by Cairo Miris Timor, doctor and therapist at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. There is a feeling that's been haunting me my entire life. That feeling of falling free. A lack of all control over my surroundings as I plummet towards certain death. It's that unsure feeling of knowing that at any moment it might be over for good. I I don't know what is doing this to me, but I can still feel that awful breath against my skin. Something tells me that it's laughing. I've had this fear of heights since I was a child. I don't know what made me develop this fear. No matter how hard I try, I can't remember a time when it wasn't there. It might not have had the same effect on me when I was a kid. But I still did a double take of the ground below me every time I hoisted my body towards the crown of a tree. My parents would also physically have to drag me inside, anything that could take me higher than ground level. Over the years, grown-ups would always tell me that it would get better with age. However, it only did the opposite. The fear grew stronger, the unseen roots of it finding comfort deep inside me. I suppose it's normal for people with my particular phobia to also fear elevators. After all, it's like a metal cage, which in most cases 
moves on surely and without any real warnings on when you might be going up or down. My gut always moved uncomfortably when I was forced inside one. The earliest memory I can recall of feeling that strong fear was when my mother had taken me to the new mall that had opened just a few streets away from us. I already had to mentally prepare myself for the escalator, but as my mom dragged me in the opposite direction of the escalators right ahead, I lost all the focus I had gathered in my childish attempt to conquer my fears. I suppose my mom had thought it would be a better alternative, but as my gaze met the metal doors in front of me, my heart leapt in my throat, threatening to choke me if I moved a single muscle. The door smelled like rusty metal, despite standing new and bright against the concrete walls. She pulled on my hand insistently when the doors opened like metal jaws, daring me to step inside. I thought I was going to die. Such a silly fear indeed. A child's mind is truly fascinating, don't you think? Later in life, I managed to overcome my dreadful fear of escalators. But that never seemed to include elevators. Something about the way they seemed to eye me down as I made my way past them sent a shudder down my body. Don't get me wrong, I still didn't exactly feel peachy about high places. But avoiding tall buildings is optional. Especially in a country where seeing a mountain would be like spotting a wild unicorn. Heights are in some ways optional. No matter how hard my mother would try to convince me otherwise. She thought I was being unreasonable whenever I would climb seven flights of stairs instead of just getting on an elevator. She didn't seem to understand my phobia. Waving it off like some silly childish fear. I bet you might be wondering how a fear of heights can lead to becoming a full-time mental patient. But don't worry, I, I'm, I am getting to that part. You probably don't care about half the stuff I've just mentioned. If any of it at all. You just want a story that landed me here. So you can nod to one another and go, Hmm, yes. That does sound like the words of a lunatic. It's a good thing she's locked up in here. Well, it all happened in the summer of 2016. I had gotten a new job at this company in Jutland and had spent all morning commuting. I was more than looking forward to escaping the cramped train by the time we made it to the station. My legs cracked slightly as I hopped on the platform, starting my relatively short walk towards the office. Not that it matters much, but in case it might become relevant, I worked as a software designer, specifically designing and coding mobile apps. I had been able to do my job remotely for about a year at this point, so this would be my first time seeing the office in person. My heart sank noticeably when my eyes landed on the exterior of a rather large building which proudly wore the name of my company on its front. I spent ten minutes panicking, trying to find a way out of having to enter this towering building in front of me. Was it too late to call in sick? 
No, that wouldn't be like me at all. And besides, I had been looking forward to this for months. I couldn't just chicken out of it now. I took a deep breath, shaking my body back in motion, and tried to confidently stride inside the building. That confidence faded as soon as my eyes were met with the metal monster before me, which seemed to be almost eyeing me up as I walked in. I really didn't want to take the elevator, but I had waited too long outside the elevator to make it had I taken the stairs. I would simply have to face my fear, which proved to be a lot harder than I thought. As I was trying to calm my nerves, I remembered what my dad had told me when I was just a little girl. Back then, he was teaching me how to swim, despite my fear of water. And he had stood by me, looking down at the water before us, and told me, Abigail, I know you're scared, but we all are sometimes. Do you know what I do when I'm scared? I close my eyes, and I run right at it. So I did. I made sure no unfortunate soul was in my path, hugged my bag tightly, squeezed my eyes shut, and ran inside those looming metal jaws. Still panting, I slowly opened my eyes. I did it. I was now inside the belly of the beast. With a trembling hand, I reached towards the silver buttons that gleamed in the light above me. The doors closed in a creaking fashion, making it feel like the walls were tightening around me. I tried to focus on my breathing, keeping it calm and steady as the elevator started to move after a slight nudge. There comes a moment when you finally face your fears. You kind of stop for a second and realize that everything is going to be okay. And I really did think that. For about five seconds. I stood there so confidently, a small laugh letting itself out into the empty elevator. Before, out of nowhere, the floor below me simply disappeared. My heart raced as I tried to grip for anything that could keep me from falling. But I was grabbing at nothing but thin air. My body was hurled through the never-ending darkness, skin reddening at the sudden heat that falling had apparently brought to me. I couldn't be falling that fast. There was just no way. I closed my eyes and screamed so loud my vocal cords got sore and swelled in my aching throat. Have you ever tried jumping from a high place? Maybe you aren't that adventurous, though. I suppose you could describe it as a drop from a roller coaster, except there is nothing there to catch you after the fall. No safety to ensure that you make it out alive. I don't know how long I had been falling. I'd say it felt almost like hours, days even, with my body tense waiting for the second I would meet the ground, as my guts would spread for miles to either side of my mangled remains. After a while, it didn't feel all that bad anymore. I was still close to throwing up with every passing second, but it felt familiar in a way.
like it had been my life for a while now. Even though being hurled through the endless space really messes with your perception of time. My phone had long since died. I felt a wave of almost calmness wash over me for the shortest of seconds. But then... Hands. Suddenly there were hands all over me. Except there weren't any hands. And words. Except no one was speaking. It was all around me. It started to tear at my flesh hungrily, wildly. My blood stained the non-existing walls around me. Screaming was really all I could do. Yelling till my throat felt like it was ripping apart. And then... Something slammed me against a wall. And my feet were back on the ground. I heard a voice yell my name, and I finally opened my eyes. Standing before me was Gus, my new manager. I was pinned against the elevator wall, my legs trembling under me, and I could feel thick blood dripping down my arms. How did all of this happen? I bet your guess is as good as mine. According to Gus, he heard loud screaming and followed it to the elevators. As he managed to force open the heavy metal jaws of the beast that had swallowed me, he found me on the floor, yelling my head off and scratching deep gashes into my skin. It left nasty scars, like a grim reminder of what happened to me that day. The doctors declared that I had suffered a nervous breakdown. And there simply wasn't anything they can do but grant me the mercy of a good mental facility. I was deemed a danger to myself and others. But I don't agree with them. I know what happened to me, and it had nothing to do with my mental state. I'm perfectly sane. It's just a phobia. Nothing but a simple phobia. So why am I stuck here? I want to go home. I want nothing more than to be home again. Uh, Abigail Gibson spent just a few months as a resident in Sunshine Valley. She was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, which would explain the meltdown Abigail had experienced. It might have been triggered by the pressure she felt about meeting her co-workers and the sudden exposure to a lifelong phobia. Abigail is luckily doing much better now and is no longer a resident at Sunshine Valley. Do you want me to do another one? No, it's fine. Can we please talk about what you said, Elias? I would rather not. But are you okay? Yes. I have a feeling that's not the full truth. I want to get out. Oh, oh. I can't wait any longer. Let me out. Let me out now. Elias, easy now. No, get off me. Uh, I I understand. Come come here. It 
It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's not fair. I, I, I know. I'm sure they will be here soon, okay? Besides, if all else fails, we can just send you up one of the events like a tiny mouse. You'll fit perfectly. I'm not that short. Hmm. According to my calculations, you are. Your parents really did you dirty with your last name. Well, um, short isn't my actual name. Really? Did you just change it to be more authentic? <laughs> no, um, uh, my mother changed it when she adopted me. Oh, uh, I didn't know you were adopted. It's not exactly something I parade around. Uh, I was adopted when I was five. The authorities took me away from my biological parents just a few months before that. Um, I'm from Chemnitz, Germany. It was a bit of a shock to suddenly be in a country where no one spoke my native language, but I adapted. Yeah, that doesn't sound ideal. Not only a new language, but also a new name. My birth name isn't even Elias. Well, now I gotta admit, you've caught my curiosity. Can I know what you used to be called? I used to be Elisha, and my last name used to be Hart. Elisha Emanuel Hart. Elisha, huh? I think I prefer Elias. Me too. Do you like it here in Denmark? I barely remember Germany, but I think I do. I spent most of my childhood in Denmark, so I might be biased. Hmm. Perhaps you are, but I'm happy you ended up here. My life would have simply been too easy without you around here. You're like my personal rain cloud. I suppose you're right about that. I never did ask what made you want to work at Sunshine Valley. I doubt you want to listen to my pitiful pining. I am a therapist after all. Hearing people pine is my job. A few years have passed now. Um, I was just 16 when it happened. My mother has always been spiritual. She used to read me old folk tales of the gods, taking a special liking to Neith, god of motherhood. When she tucked me in on my first night in my new home, she told me the story of Neith and how she would protect us. She caressed the bridge of my nose and, without any doubt in her mind, explained to me that it was Neith who brought us together. I love my mother very dearly, never doubt that. The thing is, when I was about 15, she started to become more jittery uh, after a few weeks of her reacting anxiously to small sounds around her. She admitted to me that she was seeing creatures in her house at night. I didn't know what to say. I was a stupid teenager and in no way equipped to help her with challenges she was facing. When she started talking about moving away to escape a man that was threatening to kill me, I made a choice I hope I never have to make again. I called CPS on my own mom. The tears in her eyes when they took her away still haunts my sleepless nights. I couldn't help my mom, but I wanted to make a difference, you know? So what brought you here was guilt? You might say it was a factor. I just wanted to help people like me. 
I remember what it was like to make that decision on my own. Wouldn't wish that on anyone else. How's your mom now? I wouldn't know. I felt so ashamed I haven't been able to face her. Do you know where she is? Oh, yeah. Uh, they keep me updated on her whereabouts. She's still in the same mental facility I put her in. You did what you had to do, Elias. It's not your fault. Why do I still feel guilty, then? I don't really know. Emotions are just a weird chemical mishmash in our brains. Aren't you supposed to be a therapist? <laughs> Aren't you? In training? Mm, too shame. What about you? What brought you here? <laughs> the need for a job. Does that? No cheesy backstory? You seem like the kind of guy who has known what he wanted in life since birth. <laughs> I wouldn't know. What's that supposed to mean? Uh, oh, yeah, I, I guess I never told you. I don't remember 90% of my life. How come? From what I've been told, I was found wandering through a farmer's field at around 2 in the morning, with no idea of how I'd even gotten there, or who I was in the first place. I was taken to a hospital, and they told me I had amnesia. So you remember nothing at all? Nada. The farmer and his wife took me in while I got back on my feet. I must have studied in the medical field before, though, because I fell into it so naturally. Finished top of my class, too. Show off. <laughs> but for real, though. To backtrack to our conversation before. Is that why you're mad that I took the position as manager? Because my mom is in a mental facility? Let me rephrase that. Are you mad I took away one of the only things in your life that seemed to be under your control? You obviously have trust issues, and working under some happy-go-lucky doofus you've never met before might have been a bit much to take in. You might say I also just assumed the job would be mine. I have wanted the position since I started working here four years ago. Little man. Big dreams. Rude. <laughs> it's not my fault that you're short. Let me your jeans. Yeah, whatever. At least my default setting isn't toxic positivity. It's part of my charm. Is that what you keep telling yourself? You know, seeing you up close, I realize you look like a Scottish Highland cat with those curls. Not to mention the septum. Moo. <laughs> Does this mean we call a truce? Until you give me a new reason to hate you. I'm a good boy, so you will never get out of the strong class of my friendship. I regret this already. That felt far too convenient. What's... what in the rom-com? And that's our cue. But uh, before I go, just, just know that you can come to me if you need someone to talk to, Elias. Thank you, Cairo. See you around, Shorty. Stop calling me that! <laughs> Circe's is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode featured Alexander Bauna as Elias Emmanuel Short, 
and Henry Johannesson as Cairo Miras Timor. It was audio edited by Els Sari and Henry Johannesson. It was manuscript edited by Rita Bauna and Els Sari. And written by Alexander F. Bauna. If you like the show, you can rate us on your podcatcher of choice, or even donate or buy some art on our Ko-fi. Want to know us better? Join our public Discord. All the links are in the episode description. 